What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, everybody's favorite podcast of two youth pastors talking every week about how little they know about being youth pastors. Derek, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about our sponsorship today. Our sponsor today for today's episode uh, is Master Lock. Master Lock. Uh, which is a, uh, I don't know what all they make, probably lots of locks. I currently have their product in my hand. Uh, it, it is a trailer hitch. Uh, well, this is the pin for, for the trailer hitch, and uh, you you know it can be easily locked. Sure. And, uh, keeps your trailer nice and secure on your vehicle. It was so fun to see you grab that and hide it underneath your desk, so you could surprise me just as much as you surprised our audience. So, yeah, for thank those you to Masterlock. Yeah, for those of you who are unaware, uh, we love the sponsors of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for about eighty-five episodes, we didn't have any, right? So, and and they weren't paying us because they didn't exist, and so we decided to just manifest our paid sponsors. Yep, by starting with unpaid sponsorship yeah. <laughs> uh, of various items uh, that we find laying around. And so we appreciate um, Master Lock and uh, <laughs> everything that they do for our church's trailer. Yes. Thank you to Master Lock. Actually, do you want to know why that is currently in I, my office right now? Yeah. Because we have a different one that's actually on the church tree. Oh, good. <laughs> we don't even use that one. Uh, because so. it's the wrong size or because it's just a, you have a different lock? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know why we are not using that one in particular. Also, uh, why- Actually, you know what? I think that we bought uh, a different component. Sure. That, uh, we, that is in use and that just kind of came with it. So we are not using that component of the trailer lock, but we are using a different component of the well trailer done. lock. So I'm glad you have it in your office because that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I am. Uh, we we were just uh, not too long ago. We were going through some of the. We we don't have as firm or as formal of job descriptions for our church staff as we uh-huh. would like. Uh, it's coming down the road, but. Uh, I currently in my job description because I put it there is uh, the overse- oversightment and maintenance of the church van and the church trailer uh, because I'm the one that uses it the most and I nobody else Wants does to. it like somebody's got to do it uh-huh. so I do it yeah and uh, perfect. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have a problem being the one. Like, I'll take it into oil for oil changes a few times a year and, you know, make sure that it's all ready to go if somebody needs it and uh, somebody's got to do that. And so I guess it's me. Volunteer tribute. Yep, pretty much. All right, Kyle, quick question of the day today for episode 98. What is your current take on politics in America? Well, That's a nice little layup question yep, for you today. Uh, yeah, don't let me get started. Um, I am, so so it is, this is our second episode of 2024. That's correct. Uh, for our non-American listeners, uh, we are in an election year here in 2024, here in America. And uh, my wife, who is awesome and hilarious, deems this, like most elections, an old white man beauty pageant. And I am really all I want in the with politics in America. I want two things. One, I want some form of term limits 
for the Senate and the House of Representatives. And I would love a presidential candidate under 75. That's 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 like the take. that's what I want. Okay. That, that's really like I I would love to pull America and ask the question like if you could get like would you rather have the and and we're you know this is January we don't know for sure mm-hmm. who the you know primary political candidates will be for the presidential nomination in 2024, but uh, we have a pretty good idea of, of who it will be, which which two candidates it will be. And and if you pulled America on, would you rather have these two candidates or literally any other two candidates? <laughs> I feel like the latter option would win, uh, which just speaks to the uh, prime status of American politics. It uh, here's what I know about the current state of politics in America. There is no unity at all. That's for sure. Uh, that is that's. Let me rephrase. Uh, there is zero. As I said, no. But now I'm saying zero unity in the political atmosphere here in America. And he, here's what I mean by that, because like. He, some people say like, Oh, I'm really tight with people that I agree with or my group. And like, you might have unity amongst yourself, but I can't think of a time since I've been alive anyway, for all 28 years. And some people might laugh at that, but I can't think of a time in which our political climate has been more polarized like ever, like like ever, 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 where there, 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 there used to be, okay. Yes. You have, you have right. You have left, but there's some people that are kind of in the middle I feel like there is no in between. You have right on this side, left on this side, and a grand canyon between the two. And there is like no nowhere in the middle. And people want to be in the middle. Like I'm, I'm not saying that, but I am saying like it, you very much are pulled in one direction. Like there, are, people are not content for you to be in the middle. You need to pick a side. And quite frankly, it gets it gets convoluted. And so. All, all uh, sincerity and jokes aside, we're going to tackle a tough topic today because the last five episodes are really easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, uh, no, I was kidding. Um, you know, like we're going to tackle politics and ministry today because uh, it is one of those things where sometimes it kind of feels like these things are mutually exclusive. Like there are, there are some things that like, I, this is, you'll appreciate this, Kyle. My shortest tenure at a job was six days. That's pretty good. I, w- I went I went through the training. I went through, uh, which was five days. And then I went through one day of actual work and I quit by the afternoon. Uh, selling cutlery. I actually sure. go and sell, like, so the thing where you pull up a briefcase and go and do the demonstration, if you cut a can in front of your family members, that was me. Uh, but basically what, what they taught us there is when you go to make a sales call, there are a few things you don't talk about. The weather, religion, and politics. Because there's uh, there's rarely any good that can come of that, even if you are on the same topic. So I feel like into the church world, that kind of mantra applies sometimes, it feels like. Like, we're not going to talk about politics in, in terms of a ministry context. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to handle 
politics in the ministry realm because it is something, especially as we go into a calendar year, if you're a youth pastor, if you're a kids pastor, if you are a lead pastor, if you are a human being living in America, politics is going to come up. It's probably going to get passionate. So let's talk about how we need to respond or how we need to handle such a thing. Yeah, we're not going to pretend that this is a... Uh, only American issue as well. Correct. You know, every country has some form of politics, uh, whether it be a uh, democracy or a monarchy or communism. Uh, see, we told you last episode we could fit communism into this uh-huh. episode. <laughs> uh-huh. If you uh, listen, if you didn't listen to our last episode, uh, go back and listen to it. But if you don't have time right now or you don't want to, I'll just give you a sneak peek. We went on a five minute no no rabbit trail. You, I, I went on a five minute rabbit trail <laughs> on communism. Uh, somehow I don't like. I still don't know how that happened, but uh, it is what it is. So uh, it was it was an interesting conversation. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. So go back and listen to it. But uh, the, every every country, every political system, uh, you know, people have aspects of it that they want to talk about. Yep. No question. And that is really where uh, this conversation is is going to lie. Because uh, even if you go back to uh, first century Jerusalem. Uh, politics was a big conversation topic. Politics was something that mattered. Politics was a point of division amongst uh, the, at the time, the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Uh, not let not at the time that they don't exist anymore, but like, you know, the, the church did not exist. Jesus was Jewish and uh, there were very, very, uh, opposing schools of thought when it came to how Judaism fit into the politics of the day. And that has not changed. And so uh, Derek and I kind of want to unpack that today. And I think that it starts with uh, politics absolutely cannot be ignored. Correct. And I think that's where I'll, I'll be the first to say I've been guilty of that for years in my life where it kind of feels like, well, my allegiance is to, is to Jesus. Like my, my Lordship is to him. So I'm not even going to worry about politics. And like, it's, it's an okay response. You know, like if you're going to pick to be either heavily involved or not involved, I would say if being heavily involved detracts away from your walk with the Lord, then okay, obviously do that. But I love what you just said, Kyle, that this is not a, America, because that, that's the other thing that people point to is with the political climate, everyone's pointing to the end is coming because this has happened and that's happened. That's not necessarily the case. Political division has been happening for centuries, for millennium now. Be like, this, I, I'd be curious to know how you feel about this, Kyle. It's kind of something I just, you made me think of. It was a politician that sentenced Jesus to death. Like, it was the religious teachers that brought him before Pilate and all those other things. But like it was the political structure that inevitably led to Jesus's demise on the cross. And so like it goes back to the fact that this is not a new issue. And the thing that I have seen, Kyle, the the part that kind of scares me a little bit is people um, have started to put so much faith in the political 
atmosphere that it can almost become an idol. What I mean by that is an idol is something that takes the place of God for security, for comfort, for uh, just getting things done. Like anything you put in place of substituting for God is an idol by definition. So what I mean by that is people are placing more of their faith or more of their lack thereof, that being if XYZ is president, then our whole country's going down. Like they're placing more power upon that person than upon the severe or the supremacy and sovereignty of God, which is an idol. And I'm not saying that, that I, I'm not here to call anybody out. We all have idols, right? Whether yours is politics, whether yours is sports, whether yours is comfort, we all have idols. It's, it's one of the flaws that we have as human beings, but I don't want to dismiss the fact that politics is taking on a way more prominent role than it ought to in our world. Yeah, I've heard some people kind of summarize that by saying uh, there should never be an adjective that you put in front of your descriptor of Christian in your life. Uh, you'll, You'll hear some people say that they are a conservative Christian or a progressive Christian, a liberal Christian, a Democrat Christian, a Republican Christian. Uh, You're a Christian, and then all of the other adjectives can come after that. Yep. Uh, But there shouldn't be any adjectives through which you view your Christianity. Yeah. Uh, And and I think that that's where not only does it become an idol, but it also becomes a... uh, a problem theologically mm-hmm. when when you decide preemptively that you are and, and and I'm just I'm just gonna say this off the top like there are gonna be times there throughout this episode that we're gonna use examples and I'm gonna try to kind of go back and forth with my examples mm-hmm. I'm probably it's probably not gonna be even and I'm not trying to slam I I'm purposely trying to slam both sides mm-hmm. uh, but it, like if you say like I am a a progressive liberal Christian you start to read the Bible not first through the lens of the Bible but through the lens of progressive liberal Christianity mm-hmm and then you start to interpret it through that lens. And then you start to form your theology through that lens instead of reading the Bible through its own cultural context and through just the lens of the Bible itself. And then, okay, how does that apply to my life? Yeah. Uh, if at all. Right. Uh, because there are some things in the Bible that we try to stretch to apply to our lives and it like stop. Uh-huh. But anyways, uh, I think that that's where, you know, this, this idol of politics manifests itself sometimes is it warp. It ends up warping our theology because we are trying to, uh, supersede our identity with our political and social uh, politics first, and then our Christianity, and that's just so backwards. Yeah, and I think that what we've just outlined is is this tension because it it is a both and. You know, we, you you can't place your your faith in politics alone and just say this is whether I'm succeeding or failing is depending upon these circumstances. Like that's that's not what God's called us to do. However, it's also not like 
what we're called to do to just sit on the sidelines and go, yeah, I don't even touch that stuff. I'm not even, I don't even know who, who's getting elected this year. I didn't even know it was election year. Like to kind of disassociate entirely is also not a great, cause we do have a role in terms of cultural things uh, that, that goes back multiple, multiple centuries and millennia as we talked about. And so um, I kind of even like, I'll speak to that quickly, please. If, and, and we'll come up with stupid examples where we can, uh, if your local school district mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, they are uh, looking at, uh, you know, teaching and promoting a different religion, uh, you know, let's say Muslim or Islam, <laughs> uh, that they're going to promote Islam in the school system and, and, you know, get rid of any other talk of any other religions. Uh that but but it has to be voted on by everybody. Well, that's an election that you as a human being, you as a Christ follower should definitely vote in. Totally. And the the mindset of I'm just never voting and I'm abstaining from all politics. I I do think that there is a responsibility by omission totally. that you have yep. uh in the outcome of some of this stuff. Yep. No question. And it's it's not even just big things like that too, but I even think about like, you know, in our district, we've had the last few years bonds and levies that are supposed to come that directly impact. Like we're not just talking about national politics here. We're talking about all any and all mm-hmm. politics and that, that responsibility does come back in into play here. But I uh, I just love looking at what scripture has to say just because like obviously that's our authority. But as you uh, kind of teased earlier, Kyle, this is not a new deal. This is not a new struggle. This is not a new situation. It goes back much longer than you realize. Case in point, Romans 13.1 says this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I can't tell you how many times I have heard both four years ago and in the last four years, that's not my president. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, and and that's fine. If you don't like them, that's fine. But here's what I'm going to challenge you on. God put them in that position. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'll let you decide that. But regardless, God put them in that deci- or in that position. And you might that might cause you to question God's character, God's judgment. But let me tell you this: throughout Scripture, God has placed horrific, awful, vile human beings in a place of authority. Like people that quite literally like wreaked havoc on the Israelites, but God put them in that place of authority. And so he's telling you that you need to respect them. Uh, And if you have an issue with that, like you probably do, I'll let you know at a full more transparency. I do too. There are people that have been in, in, in the seat that I haven't loved, that I haven't liked. When I saw how the results came out, I was initially like, shoot, you know? But then there was this heart check and this heart spirit of like, it's not my job to scrutinize and to criticize what's happening. It's my job to play the part that I can play. And again, I go back to Jesus. Jesus was killed by the Romans. 
His cause of death was Roman instituted. Obviously, it was a plan from the beginning. Obviously, it was God's will, all those different things. But Jesus came face to face with Romans and quite literally had the power and ability to strike them all down if he wanted to, but he submitted to them because that's what God called him to do. Yeah, I think that, excuse me, uh, there's always a tension there and and the context of you know Jesus's day there was there were t- there was a not really a political party but a, a a school of thought within Judaism uh in the day that the Jewish people were not truly able to worship God unless they were completely and utterly free politically. Uh, you know, if they were under any political authority other than their own theocracy, uh, they, it was, they could not like truly, 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 there was always a level of worship of God that they were missing out on until they could attain that. Mm -hmm. And so there were many people in Jesus's day and many Jews that, uh, they really wanted to, you know, overthrow the Roman government and, uh, you know, kind of come out from underneath their authority. And, and that's, that's the audience that Paul is talking to here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately you saw that play out a little bit later in about 68, 70 AD. Mm Mm-hmm. And it didn't work well right. <laughs> for, for the Jewish people. Um, but that is where that, that's the mindset that, that'll, that there were, you know, some of these people had was like, we are not free to worship unless, uh, you know, we are the, the only, like if we can truly govern ourselves. And I think that speaking to America specifically, one of the, one of the biggest problems in the churches in America is that, you know, people think that the Bible is written specifically to them and all the promises uh, that God had for the Israelites in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament are specific to the American church. And and they read it through this American church lens, forgetting there's 190 some other countries Mm -hmm. uh, on earth. One of the things that I have seen play out over the last eight years, we'll call it uh, 12 years in America is that we view uh, we, we think that we as the church are being persecuted because of some of the changes we've seen, uh, you know, even with, you know, how little to no involvement, uh, religion can have specifically Christianity can have in schools, uh, when other, you know, religions seem to, you know, maybe have less of a, uh, restriction placed on them. Uh, many, many, many things where it seems like, you know, people are like, oh, we're being persecuted here in America. And my pushback on that is that there's a difference between being persecuted and losing privilege. I think for 250 years of American history, the Christian church has been afforded privilege in America. A country, by the way, that was specifically founded on freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the church is now losing, seeing some of that privilege lost. Yep. Uh, That's different than being persecuted. If you'd like a definition of the church being persecuted, I invite you to visit some of the other countries around 
the globe uh, and, and their churches. I think that, uh, I don't know, China and Turkey would be two really good examples of, of what that could look like if you're interested. Uh, but that, uh, that got really passionate really quick. Um, I think that we need to keep things in perspective mm-hmm. is, is my point in all of that. Uh, there are, there are battles that I think we absolutely need to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the verse that Derek shared, we are, the the clash between religion and politics is not new and god knows god knows he he knows who's in authority he knows who's in power it's not a surprise to him and the next person won't be a surprise to him either uh we are called to respect those that have been placed in an authority position above us and keep in mind Respecting that person and liking that person are two different things. Um, or uh, I shouldn't say like that person, like that that person's in that role. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that by respecting somebody, you're you can respect somebody even if you have a struggle with somebody. Like that, like that, like that that's just a rule of thumb. You know, like just we're called to love our enemies, we're called to respect everybody that we come in contact with. Like there are people that you will run into that you have a really tough time with, whether it's a personality flaw, whether it is something that you don't like that they do. There are people in your life that you don't like, but scripturally that doesn't give you grounds to be disrespectful to them. You are called to be respectful to them, even if you don't like them. Don't have to be buddies, don't have to promote them, don't have to do everything for them, but you do have to respect them. And I think to me, that's what it comes down to is like, again, I know some people who like, if they if they heard us like calling out the, this this mantra of, you know, I don't like this president. I don't like this, this politician. Like they would be upset because they have such strong feelings towards him or her. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not saying you can't dislike them or dislike their role, but I am saying that scripturally speaking, God calls us to respect them. He calls us to subject ourselves to them. Now, what that means, see, I'll let you kind of wrestle with that. I'll let you go to go to Lord with that. But what I will say is that like at the end of the day, what we are not called to do is blat- especially and let me let me speak to pastors alone because people outside of the ministry we can have a different conversation but this is politics in ministry pastors that are listening you are not allowed to I would say I, again Kyle you're going to talk about this here in just a second there are some legal things that you can't do as a pastor but I'm going to say as a moral general rule of thumb using your pulpit using your influence, using your platform to endorse something political is out of bounds, in my opinion. Unless it is a blatant scriptural issue, I don't believe it is our ability to use our influence in our platform to promote something political. Yeah, I think that uh, I've seen pastors promote... So, So let's start with with like where are the actual legal lines yep uh you as a pastor cannot promote a single candidate uh or a single political 
named political party, named political candidate from the pulpit. Uh, nor can you publicly associate your endorsement of a candidate with your nonprofit role. And what I mean by that is like, I cannot stand up front on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and say, I support this candidate. You should vote for this candidate or I support this political party. You should vote for them. Uh, I cannot go on Facebook and say, as the youth pastor at Riverdale Church, I support this candidate. I can go on Facebook and say, I think this candidate is great. I can have their sign in my yard, but I cannot conjoin. I can't join my nonprofit role and my political endorsement together. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And so like that's that's what you legally cannot do. Uh your church you know you, you threaten your church losing your nonprofit status uh by endorsing a political candidate in that way. Um what you maybe shouldn't do <laughs> is more nondescriptly advocate for a candidate or a party. Mm. Uh, I've seen pastors advocate for single issue things that come down to biblical principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something like abortion, abortion yeah. uh, would be one where, where I've seen pastors, you know, they're not going to say vote for this political candidate or vote for this political party, but they'll say, you know, this is, this should, you know, you should vote for somebody who aligns with you on this issue because of biblical X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, I would highly encourage all of our listeners, especially our American listeners, as we approach an election season, uh, which I feel like we should have talked about this at the top. Is there anything worse than uh, advertisements during political season in America? You love them. They're the they're the literal worst. Uh, I the mailers like I I have said I um there was one time I was like there were two candidates it was a it was a local election there were two candidates that like I I thought they'd both be great and I specifically voted for one over the other because that person like the one person sent me so much crap in the mail that I voted for the other person like it was the sole reason like they were. On the issues that I really cared about, they were neck and neck Mm -hmm. in my mind. And so that was my tiebreaker. And I will trumpet that to this day in the hopes that people will calm down Mm -hmm. on the advertisements. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, where were we going with that? Next time we have a big church event that we're going to do a mailer, I'm going to send, I'm going to like hold 20 back and then just like mail you some like- Like one per day? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, sounds like kindling to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, I have a harder time doing that though. Cause it's like a church <laughs> yeah, advertisement, I know. but, uh, political stuff. Yes. I'll burn that in a fire all day long. Uh, <laughs> any, where were we even going? I'm not that? sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think that 
Uh, oh, we were talking about like specific uh, issues. Part, yeah. issue endorsements. Uh, I would highly encourage all of our listeners to check out uh, David Platt. Uh, we've talked about this uh, before on the podcast. I believe I have. Uh, David Platt uh, is a uh, pastor of a church in Washington, D.C., and he wrote a book called Before You Vote. And to spoil it for you, the premise is basically, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in America that... Uh, basically like they, they are a Christian and very closely behind that they are a Democrat and, uh, to, to be a Republican and a Christian is an atrocity. Uh, and David Platt's point is that those people like that's wrong. You cannot look at it as like to be a Republican and be a Christian is absolutely wrong. On the flip side, he also points out that, there are people who are Christians and their viewpoint is how it like, if you're a Christian, you're a Republican and there's no getting around that. That's the only way you can do it. Mm-hmm. And those people are also wrong. Uh, you know, he, as a pastor in Washington, DC, he's got very passionate people on both political sides in his church. Yeah. And, and I, it's gotta be just an absolutely astounding matrix to watch unfold in small groups and in different things. But his point is we are Christians first. We can disagree politically and that's fine. Like Derek said earlier, you can respect somebody and disagree with them at the same mm-hmm. time. A notion that is lost on most people in America nowadays, but there's no, I do really believe that there is not one political system, uh, one political party that is wholly Christian and the other one is not. Yeah. Both of them have aspects to them that hold Christian values and both of them have aspects that don't. Like if you if you want to put me on the spot for the Republican Party, I would point to abortion at like their, their stance on abortion is pretty biblical uh for the most you know overarching political stance Mm -hmm. on abortion is pretty biblical i would point to the democrat stance on uh immigration as being the much more biblical of the two and and we could you know split issues on both sides for a long time but my point is uh jesus would not be a republican or a democrat Mm -hmm. and I think that as we, I, I don't have a problem with if pastors choose to endorse specific political issues. Yep. Um, I personally ha- have chosen to greatly shy away from that, partially because I'm a youth pastor mm. and, you know, talking to youth students is different than talking to adults. 98% of my students can't vote. Yep. Uh, you know, you got to have a birthday in like August, September, or October of your, se- yeah, <laughs> of your senior, senior year, year. Uh-huh. Uh, in an election year in order to actually be able to vote while you're in youth ministry, Yep. Um, which I actually had the uh, privilege of doing. I got to vote my senior year. Um, I believe the uh, presidential campaign that year was uh, Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney, if I remember correctly. Uh, so... Little trivia fact wow. for you. Well I done. I was old enough to vote in my senior election. But, well done. Uh, also, this is a side note. Uh, I believe when I was in grade school one year, uh, we got to I think and and I could be wrong, but I believe it was George Bush and John Kerry. Uh, this might have been about two thousand eight. Uh, no, that was or two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand four. 
And uh, so our school, like every class in our school got to vote. And it was, you know, is the exact same ballot. Uh, you know, here's the Republican uh-huh. nominees, I Democrat nominees, like independent nominees, a write-in option. Uh, do you want to know who won? The uh, yeah, school-wide election, <laughs> K through eighth grade. Take a guess at who won that uh, that election. Minnesota. You grew up southern part of it. I'm going to go with George Bush. Mickey Mouse. Oh, okay. Well yep. done. Mickey I've- Mouse ran an excellent writing campaign that year. I see and uh, and ended up winning our school election. What, was there was there any campaigning for <laughs> Mickey Mouse uh, under the table? I I do remember kind of a you know groundswell, uh-huh. uh, probably especially in the older grades of like, hey, let's rebel against the system and all vote for Mickey Mouse, yeah. and uh, and he well ended up victorious. Mouse. So, anyways, I, I've, been, I've been curious to see his uh, acceptance speech. Yeah, I, yeah. that would been interesting. Okay, let's get real for a second. Um, Kyle, I'm not sure if you've heard this. I'm sure you have. I know I've heard it. Um, as a pastor, okay, I, I love David Platt. Like, I, I can't imagine being in D.C. and having such spirited people on both sides of it. Yeah, I think it speaks to the unity of the church mm-hmm. and how it's meant to be. Um, but that's a different conversation for a different day. I I think we have to be okay with the fact that in the next 12 months, if you're a pastor, you're going to have people who come to you and say, what do you think about this? Like, or they, they like, how, how can you be a pastor yep. and not go this direction? Because this party does X, Y, Z. They, how, how can you, how can you call your, I've heard this too. How can you call yourself a Christian if you choose to vote for that person because of what they stand for? And you have to be ready for that because it is, it is a very, very tough question. And what's crazy is I've heard that from both sides, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think the, the question that I want to address now as we are 10-ish months from walking through this even more is how do you handle it? Like, how do you handle whether it is diffusing political tension, whether it is standing up for things that matter, how do you handle the confusion of which direction to go? Why did you choose that? Like, how do you go through all those different things? And I do think that, um, dis- what's, what's the phrase? Discretion is a better part of valor. Like, I do think that you, you don't need to air what you think to your congregation, mm-hmm. to people that you know. Like, realistically, what you choose to vote is up to you and you don't have an obligation to defend that either way. Now, um, I do think that, again, you can't take that too far and not vote, but I think that there is a way in which you can make your choice without defending your choice. Because here's what I would caution you with. It's good to have political conversation. It's healthy and strong and a responsible steward to to have good, solid conversation about political issues. But I'd also caution you, if somebody's asking you that from that perspective, it's a lose-lose for you. Because if you if you are in, in the opposite, opposite venue, you're now going to have disunity. There's going to be tension. There's going to be anger that arises. Maybe not even from you, but from that other person. And it's, just, it's not going to be a healthy situation. But if you completely agree with them and kind of like let that go down the rabbit hole, there is a chance that the conversation 
turn sideways, you know, and, and all of a sudden, because he, here's what I've noticed is the passion that people have for political issues is good. We were born with a desire for passion, a desire for things that matter. But the problem is sometimes that passion gives way to sin. And that sin is anger. That anger is disrespect. That uh, anger, all, all the things that go into it can just be really, really difficult. So how do you handle when somebody comes up to you and, and discusses it? I think not that you want to skirt around the issue, but I think you need to be okay with the fact of like, I'd be willing to talk about issues, but I'm not going to talk about who I'm voting for. And that's a perfectly inbound conversation to have. And people might not be happy with you. People might not be upset with you, but you have the responsibility to not dive into that and, and get into exactly why you're voting to that person and whom. And if you feel differently, I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it, but for me personally, and I would encourage people who are on the fence to think about the same thing, I've just seen this play out too many times to see very, 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 very seldomly does it come out positive mm-hmm. if that's the stance you start on. Now, people come to you and say, hey, I'm not sure which way to go. I'm confused. Okay, that might be a different conversation. But if someone comes up to you and says, how can you call yourself X when you vote for Y? That's a that's a huge red flag for you to, to engage in any further conversation from that point on. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm currently reading a study that is kind of along those lines. Because one of the things that I think that, and, and this is uh, this is just an interesting statistic, so we're going to share it with our audience. Uh, when it comes to if you are going to take a stance as a pastor, uh, and again, we are talking about you know ideological issue stances, not endorsing specific political candidates sure. or parties. Uh, apparently, statistically conservative pastors are more likely to take harder stances than progressive or, or liberal pastors. And it's, it's close, but, but conservative a little bit more likely to do so when progressive pastors take harder stances on issues, there's typically little to no correlation in growth in their congregation. When numerical cons- growth, numerical growth. Okay. When conservative pastors take a uh, a harder stance, they typically typically do see a uh, a growth, you know, numerical growth in their congregation uh, when they do that. But it is almost exclusively short term growth. Mm-hmm. And it is not long-term growth. Mm-hmm. And so as we go into a 2024 election season, I think that this is uh, maybe some good data for our listeners to have. If you are pastoring a church, um, you know, taking a stance might seem flashy, uh, you know, might produce a good social media clip, but it is not going to get you ultimately where you want to go. Uh, no matter what side of the aisle uh, that you're on. Anyways, I want to get back to uh, you know when it when it comes to this conversation. Uh, like Derek said, it's 
it's almost always a trap. It's almost always, uh, you know, a conversation that's going to end well uh, because they're coming into it with their mind already made up, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to just like, hey, I'm just going to give you a scripture to chew on. And like, we're not going to dive into a super deep conversation here, but I'm just going to plant this little seed of, of scripture, not looking to switch your beliefs, but maybe looking to reprioritize your, your values a little bit. Uh, you know, let's get the Bible and, and, and God back to that number one spot. Um, and then, and then we can go from there. I don't know. That's like, like I said, I have less firsthand experience with this. Uh, I'd also be curious because Derek, I think we both, how do I word this? We both do ministry in cultural contexts that tend to lean toward the same side politically. Mm Mm-hmm. If you would we give any specific advice to somebody who is doing ministry in a context where their political belief, their personal political beliefs tend to run opposite, opposite of the general political beliefs of their community? That's a great question. Well, we should have probably written down so we have time to chew <laughs> like on it. Just and came it. to me yeah. a couple minutes ago, and I wanted to ask it. Yeah, I think the advice would ultimately be again, um, you know what, what's what's most important? Like, I, I think I think that that's what it comes back to because, like, I I have had there have been people that I have talked to um, within my congregation that I anticipated were affiliated this direction. And when I found out they were the opposite, it surprised me. Not because the, what what they chose was wrong, but just like because you get so used to everybody kind of, for the most part, fitting into this little uh, side, if you will, uh, it can kind of be surprising. So what I would tell you is if you do have opposite is like don't feel the need to feel like you have to conform or have to revolt. Again, it goes back to the fact that if this gets brought up, it shouldn't be a massive, huge deal. Like, again, mm-hmm. like I, I know people, like I, we do come from spirited communities. And if they found out we were opposite, there's a chance, like I know this for a fact, there's a chance that, because ah, I've seen it happen. If they found out you were affiliated with the opposite side, there's a chance they leave your church. And whether that's right or wrong, I'm not going to get into it at this point right now. But my point is, is you shouldn't need to. Like, if you, if you yeah. feel, whether you feel you're on the same side or the opposite side, you shouldn't need to feel like you have to even tip your hand. Like, I would be very curious to know who in my church like knows with certainty which direction I lean. Because people might be able to guess, people might be able to speculate, but I guarantee you there are almost no one in my congregation, no one that knows me well, that knows with certainty which way I go because I don't bring it up. I advocate for issues. I advocate for for people. Uh, like not, not like 
people specific, but like I advocate for like the general outcome of people as a whole, as a human race, like all these different things. And you might not be able to pinpoint which way I go. And that's very, very intentional. And so if you tend to be opposite, um, I would just encourage you, like, don't feel like now you're identified either. Don't feel like now you're on the outside looking in. Don't feel like you're now it's me versus them. Like it shouldn't be that case. You know what mm, I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I I know this is a stupid comparison, but I'm going to use it anyway. This should be good. We live in Minnesota, Kyle. You have a different football team, but I, I'm i pretty loyal to our hometown team here as the Minnesota Vikings. Sure. In my church, there's like this quasi-rivalry between like we have a lot of Packers fans yep. and a lot of Vikings fans. Now we have a fun rivalry. We, we kind of poke each other back and forth. But at the end of the day, we don't treat each other differently, like on like truly, sincerely, because we have different football teams. Mm-hmm. I know that's a stupid comparison, but realistically, that should be the response of your political stance. Like if they are Democrat and you're Republican or they're Republican and you're Democrat, it should not impact the way that you treat them or see them. It shouldn't because at the end of the day, they should be seen as fellow brothers and sisters first. Now, you might disagree with them. You might think that they're wrong for voting that way and that, or, or doing that way in the same way that I think if you're a Packers fan, what are you doing, right? But at the end of the day, like it's not a huge deal because I care about them way more as human beings than what they're affiliated with. And that's where I would say if you are on the opposite side, it shouldn't matter that much. Yeah, and it it could this could be sl- slightly more true for somebody who's in the opposite context, like, like Mm -hmm. their, their beliefs are, or their, their positions are opposite their communities. Uh, but I think it's true on both sides. Nonetheless, uh, when, when you, when it comes to some of these conversations, it might be like, there are going to be times where it's just beneficial for you to not engage or to, or to not instigate those conversations, not bring it up, like avoid them actively. Mm Mm-hmm because there are other things that are more important. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's more important to maintain unity. It's more important to focus on other things. Like, I don't know the Bible. Uh, these things like at, our goal is to be more like Christ. It's not to be more like our political leaders. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not to be the church's goal is to be more like Christ, not more like the culture. And our culture, like Derek said, is incredibly polarized. It's incredibly, uh, you know, partisan. And so if we are going to stick out as a church, maybe one of the ways that we do that is by not focusing on our political differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's by you know, being the place that people look at like, wow, that like there's people that believe very different things that go to church together there. Yeah. There must be something different about that church. Yep. I want to go check it out. Mm-hmm. That's going to be way more attractive down the road to people than, oh man, I I can't wait to go to the Republican church and talk about how much the Democrats suck. Well, how Christ-like and unifying is that? Right. Right. Like what, what's your goal as a pastor there? 
And so that's a, like it's it's winning the battle and losing the war. Mm-hmm. I think for for some of those churches that tend to be much more partisan one way or the other. Yeah, and I I think that that is where you have to figure out and ask yourself like as a church what it, how do we handle this corporately. You know, because I think that's something that you have to discuss, especially, you know, maybe not as much for a youth ministry context, uh, but just as a general whole ministry context. Here's here's what I'm also going to say. Like, within my church, within our congregation, I have people that are actually heavily involved in local government. I respect them. I think what they're doing is incredible. I can't say enough good things about them for all that they're doing for our community. And I want to thank them for that, you know. And I try to do so privately, you know, because they deserve that. But at the same time, rarely will you find me saying that from the church because you rarely can paint a broad brush stroke over what your church's stance is politically. You can't because it's either going to be too ambiguous and too vague and you now have more questions and answers and it's a mess or you get too specific and it's isolating and it is polarizing. Yeah. And so I think it's okay to, to, in it, in a less specific way than we've talked about today. If you're gonna, if you're gonna bring up politics from the pulpit, talk about your responsibility to be prayed up and asking God which way you should go, and asking you know what you think is right, what you want to advocate for. Be praying, be studying. Like that's this is another one of my pet peeves. Like oh, I agree with and, you. And, and I I'm 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 I know that I t- can fall into this trap because I come from a family that everybody is this way, and everybody has always been this way. And if you're not this way, then we still love you, but you're an idiot. Is kind of the 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 mindset that it feels <laughs> like, you know, like that that that's how I grew up. So as a default, I grew up. What are you naturally going to do? fall into step with everybody else. So what blows my mind is how many times people engage in disagreements that they're ignorant of on both sides. Like if you, if you truly, 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 truly want to have an argument, I think you should be well-versed in the nitty gritty of the details of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so that that's my that's my prerogative of like if we're gonna if we're gonna go and have conversations when we go and vote let's be informed let's not just hear one thing and run with it let's study it mm. let's get to the bottom of it let's go to a board meeting let's go to uh, let's actually hear the actual debates going on and not just like the TikTok four minute summary of the debate like let's actually be prayed up let's be informed. And let's go about what we think so selectively and like like by ourselves. Like there's just there's just I, I keep coming back to this, but there, there's no need to make this big massive push of I'm gonna skirt up this close to the line without saying exactly what I believe because I don't want to get in trouble. But everybody knows what I'm saying. Like don't mm-hmm. don't even go there. Like don't even get that close. Like there's no need for it. If you want to talk about issues like abortion or anything like that, let's do it. Let, let, let's go after those issues, whatever. That's fine. But let's not skirt the line between legally acceptable and morally acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like there's no need for it. Yeah. And yeah. so that, like that. that, that, that's just my, that's just my stance is like, and again, I don't, I don't want people to know me for how I vote. 
I just don't like I, if, if that's what people know me like oh he he's a great guy he he voted that way like I don't want that I want people to say man Derek loved me like really really well and he cared for me when I was going through a tough like I just I don't want to be classified as this or that like I want to be classified as someone who is a Christian who loves like Jesus does like that's what I want to be known as and I think if you're handling politics and ministry maybe shoot for that. Maybe, yeah. sh- maybe shoot to be a Christian. Even on some of the, you know, single issues. Yep. By, by taking a strong stance. Yep. You are picking a side. You're picking a side and it's, you, you are alienating roughly 50% of the people you're trying to reach. Uh, you know, it's possible that, you know, you know, your church really well and, and what you said is going to, uh, resonate with 80% of your church. But if your community as a whole is 50, 50 and, and you take a strong stance on something that isn't biblical, it's your opinion. And then you, uh, you know, you trumpet that and you're turning off 50% of the people that are in the, that are in your community. That's a problem. Uh, and, and I'd also, I'd encourage this, this could be a fun, uh, almost study that I'm coming up with off the top of my head. Look at not, not that you can pull your congregation on who they're going to vote for, but look at the political makeup of your church and compare it to the political makeup of your community and see how they match up. Uh, same thing, like you could do the same thing with, uh, income, you could do the same thing with race, uh, and, and look at like, Hey, if, if we really, really care about our community and our community is split 50% Democrat, 50% Republican. Um, I don't know where the libertarians went in the math that I just did, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> like if it's evenly split, but your church is 75 to 80% one political party, like, do you like that? Is that okay? I don't know. I mean, if if your community was, uh, you know, fifty percent white, twenty five percent Latino, twenty five percent black. Again, my math is terrible. We have no Asians. We have no Native. Like, don't get lost in that. Yeah, right. But if that was the math of your community, but your church is ninety eight percent white. Like, would you be comfortable with that? Right. Probably not. Right. And so I I think that looking at the demographics of your community can give you a window into maybe even subconsciously how you might be over prioritizing something that you shouldn't. The last thing I want to say, and this just kind of goes back to the pastoral perspective you need to be so careful when calling out even cause like l- let's acknowledge something, Kyle. Okay. Abortion's a bad deal. Okay. I'm not going to dis- disagree with you on that. Okay. It's a bad deal. Like, yeah. like, like babies that are conceived regardless of how they're conceived, we believe scripturally that they were born of God, that there's a purpose for them and to abort them prematurely is to kill a life. Okay. Let, let, let's acknowledge that abortion as general whole is, is tough. So if you were to preach that, if you were to do all those different things, like, yeah, like great. But 
when you have a young female in the back of your church who's new to church, who came from a rough childhood, came from a rough thing, got pregnant at 16, had to have an abortion. If you don't approach even a conversation like that with grace, Mm -hmm. that young female just now feels horrible. That's a feels really good like a point. scum of the earth. Like it feels like just they're not loved. And when I look at how Jesus approached people, it was people like that who came from like they were outsiders for various reasons. And Jesus went to them and spoke directly to them and to their situation. And so again, I'm not debating the fact that abortion is bad, but when you start becoming the voice for that, there's a solid chance that there's someone in your church who's immediately affected. And that this, this is all issues. This is, this is LGBTQ. This is immigration. There, there is going to be all kinds of situations where the moment you stand up and advocate for something, if you don't do it with grace and mercy as the backbone of it, you are going to offend somebody and not just offend somebody, but like, be a poor representation of what the gospel actually stands for. And so I would just encourage you that before you, again, if if your passion takes you there, write a letter, do different things, but just be so careful what you bring to that pulpit because God's entrusting you with that pulpit and you need to steward that very, very well. Yeah. uh, That, that's a, that's an excellent point. Uh, I'm going to, just throw one last uh, nugget of, of statistics out to something I said earlier. If you really are going to look at the political leanings of your church versus mm-hmm. your community, uh, make sure you do your study well, uh, according to the internet, which we all know is always true. Um, <laughs> 100% factual. No, this is actually Pew Research, which is a reputable research company. Uh, they've got... Uh, Republican leaning individuals attend church once a week. Uh, 44% of Republican leaning individuals attend church or attend a religious service once a week. Okay. 29% of Democrat leaning individuals attend a religious ceremony once a week. So that would be a statistic that would be relevant yeah. uh, if you did choose to do a study like that. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think again, I just this this might come as a broken record, but I just think it, it's so important for us to kind of end this way. Like, this this is not an easy issue. There, 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 there's if you want to try and find clarity and matter of factness, you're not going to find any in terms of the political realm, which is why we continually go back to scripture. Like when that is the authority, that's infallible, it's inerrant. We can actually lean upon that, and so as a general rule of thumb. You're not going to go wrong when you stand on that, like stand on that. And again, I, I think there is this tension that you need to take to the Lord of like, you also need to be involved. Like I said, I've got, I've got people in my church that are involved in local government. And the cool part is they're on opposite sides. <laughs> like like they, they don't necessarily see the same thing, but they respect each other in terms of what they're advocating for. And I think, uh, I think that's so cool that they can kind of have that civility and they can have that. And, um, it's just, it's just really awesome to see. And so, um, yeah, I just think that that's the metric we need to stand by at the end of the day, regardless of what someone stands for at the end of the day, 
they are a human being and they need to be treated as such. They need to be treated as this, the son and daughter of Christ that they are. And it's our prerogative not to ostracize them for their beliefs and their political ideals, but to love them as the person that God's called them to be. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way to wrap it up. Um, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us on this incredibly fun and not controversial at all episode. We got two episodes left. One episode left. Before Until the big one. The big one double O episode 100 coming your way in two weeks, which we are very, very excited about. Uh, but until then, Derek, I think it's about time that I go vote for Ron Swanson. Goodbye. Goodbye.